Good morning, wonderful people. Welcome to Victory Life Church this morning. Let's stand and let's come into the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you that you have brought us from darkness to your glorious light, God. We thank you for saving and redeeming us, and we praise you, God. You are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. I know we often find ourselves in situations where words are never enough. So sometimes we just say them over and over and over again. And I know if we spend our whole lives just continuing to say thank you and to express our gratitude specifically for all you've done, I know that it wouldn't be enough. But God, I thank you. I do thank you for what you've done. And I pray that we would purpose to live our lives with gratitude, God. I thank you for how you change our hearts when we have gratitude, for how you change our minds when we have gratitude. It's really hard to be angry and have gratitude at the same time. So I thank you, God. I thank you. Amen. So church, we're going to continue our worship um, with one more song. And in this is a time that you are welcome to give. And I want to read something. Part of what we're singing in the next song, um, it's about God's goodness. And, you know, I have said a lot of times, I love talking about that God's goodness isn't dependent on what we feel even like what's going on around us necessarily. It's just a truth about who God is, that he is good. And we know that he can never change. Um, And that may seem crazy sometimes depending on what's going on, but we can depend on him. And part of what we're singing in the next song, it says, your goodness is running after me. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after me. So God, I just pray that this time that we would give you everything, whatever that looks like. I thank you for what you have given to us. And so I pray that this would just be a response um, for what you have done for us, God for your faithfulness to us, for your great love in sending us your son, Jesus. So I thank you, God. I thank you for the opportunities to give. Um, And we love you, Lord. Amen.
Until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so. the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. You are close like no other. Yes, yes. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. In the goodness of God, oh yes, and all my life you have been faithful, yes you have, and all my life you have been so, so i 
so easy to sing this song whenever things are feeling good, right? So hard to sing this song when they don't. Um, our, our life group the other day, we had, had some really powerful sharing time in it, and I was blown away because I was sitting there listening to a group of about 10 people, and inside of that group, there were four people who had experienced really tragic and early death in the loved ones of their life. There were two people I knew of that had other serious, serious trauma in their life they didn't share. And I was just blown away because I was, I was thinking, wow, you know, I, I don't have that kind of trauma story in my personal life. And these do, and yet they're still pressing in. They're still trusting God and it um, it was it was powerful because I was seeing obedience like played out in front of me um, because I think that's the answer to how do we trust a God when it doesn't feel good um, I think part of it is just continuing to confess truth right I don't I don't feel God I, I mean I don't even feel like you're good right now but that must be some confusion on my part and you're good and that simple simple act might not immediately change our emotions but I think as we continue to proclaim it it does I think it shapes who we become and I think God's big enough to deal with that confession that really honest confession I won't mention any names but I watched a young boy this week scream at me and my wife that something was his and it was his and he was mad and he was angry and he's really young and he's really immature so I was okay with that and it didn't change how I felt about this young child um, it didn't mean there wasn't some correction and some education that needed to happen <laughs> but I felt the same about him as before he was doing that and so today, I, my encouragement to you is if you have a diagnosis that isn't good, if you have a set of circumstances that isn't good, this song can still be sang. It might not feel the same in your heart, but as you sing it, it's powerful. More powerful than me sitting there singing it because I don't have a lot to complain about right now. doesn't mean tomorrow I won't. But today I don't, but your song might be more, it's more powerful than mine. And as you do that, and as we do that in a community, and as we confess to one another, that also encourages us. Because I can watch you do that, and then tomorrow when I need to do that, I can see your testimony, and I can do that. And that's part of the power of community. So let's pray. God, I thank you for community. I thank you for this group of people that are, are here today that have chosen to take time out of their lives that they could be doing other things and I thank you for their their commitment today I thank you for them walking through the door and I thank you for what you do when we gather when we obey your commandment and we show up which is a pretty small task you do great things sometimes slowly sometimes quickly and we don't question your timing so thank you for this house thank you for this group we love you. 
man, these songs are all about your thing for your faithfulness. And thank you that you don't change. Thank you that the God we see in the in the in the narrative of Scripture and the Bible is the God that we serve today, the God that will be here tomorrow. We love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Um, Yes. I'm going to tell you some announcements this morning. (laughs) Okay. So, welcome. And I have, I feel like a million things, but I'm going to try to, to, to go fast. Serve days. So, Pastor Steve has been talking about this Project Heart for October is our Meals on Wheels. And there is a sign up back there on the board. Most every day, I think every day is filled except for we're still in need of Tuesdays all through the month. And it's about an hour of your time from about 11 a.m. to 12. Yeah, awesome. Got it. God's so good. So we've got that going on. Um, We've got signups going on for Men of Valor and Her Virtue. One thing that Miss Pam wanted me to share with you. So Pastor Steve and Pam, they are our campus pastors, and they are serving one of our church family. Um, this weekend, Courtney and Corbin, are they got married yesterday near my hometown in Montana. How cool is that? So they are there. They will be flying back later on today. So prayers for their safety, but it's been a beautiful time. And uh, so we are so glad that they got to join in that awesome uh, service yesterday. Um, but one of the things that Miss Pam sent out was, um, so we have an, uh, an opportunity to serve this week with really our giving, and that is more hot dogs. You all just took the cake last week with the hot dog giving. We have another opportunity this week. So Miss Christy Richardson, in her work, has put together this amazing event this Thursday for the Sack and Fox Nation. See, I got it right. I was really afraid that I was going to say the name of that wrong. And um, they are doing an event. This month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And those are a lot of the kiddos and the groups of people that she works with. So they have an event on Thursday evening and we need 100 hot dogs and 100 or so, hot dog buns, and then the church is going to be giving chips and a few other things. If you can either coordinate with Christy or bring things this Wednesday night for service, um, and she will take everything for that Thursday event. So we've got that going on with the hot dogs. Also, life groups. We had our big launch last week. We've still got our signups back there. And tonight is our second group for our um, our young youth, our 10-ish to 14-year-olds. That's right, Mila. And so Logan and Haley lead that group. There will be pizza again, and, um, and they're going through some awesome things. Last week, I know they got to know each other, did some different things. And so parents come tonight to bring your kiddos 6 to 7.30. All right? Okay. We're going to take a five-minute break. And then we have the awesome privilege of part of our family. Pastor Lee and Ginger are here this morning, and Pastor Lee is going to speak. And so come back, uh, join us for a word from him. All right, guys. <laughs> Amen. Um, I want to piggyback off something Brent shared earlier about people going through trauma. It doesn't have anything to do with the message. I just feel compelled to share this, this truth. 
Um, and he was talking about people sharing and having gone through some really, really bad things, and yet they still love God. Have you ever thought about the fact that you can only offer up a sacrifice of praise on this earth? When you get to heaven, it will no longer be a sacrifice of praise because everything will be made right. On earth is the only place we can give a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice because your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh doesn't want to praise when things are difficult. Your flesh doesn't want to thank God when things don't look right. So this is the only place that human beings have the opportunity to offer a sacrifice of praise. And I will tell you, it benefits you to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, to be thankful for God's goodness in the midst of things that aren't going good. So I really appreciated the sharing. Revelations 12 says that our testimony is how we overcome the enemy. And when you see people go through hard things and they still love God, it offers you hope that you can live that same kind of a life. So I really, really, really appreciate that. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever left your Bible and had to share? Yeah, um, we were getting ready, and I don't know what I did with my Bible. When I got here, I don't have my Bible. So I'm going to shoot from the hip today because the Word of God is in here, not just written here. You don't need to turn there, but most of you know the story. Matthew chapter 25, I think starting about verse 14 It's the story of the traveling man who gives gifts, who gives money to his servants. To one he gives five, to another he gives two, to another he gives one. And I love the parable of the talents. I call it the good path because it amounts to God. God gives every man gifts. And then there's opportunities. We all have opportunities that God sets in front of us every day to share the gospel, to share our faith. With every opportunity, there's opposition. No matter how good you are at what you do, the enemy will try to talk you out of it. And then there's the D for doing something. It's the good path. But let me just ask you, and don't answer. uh, It's a rhetorical question. I will answer the question. But I want you to think about this question. Who was the best with their talents? The one that had five doubled, the one that had two doubled, the one that had one hit it. We all know he couldn't have been the the best. But the one who had five and the one who had two, or depending on which one, which story you're looking at, I think it might have been three, both of them doubled what they'd been given. So which one was the greatest sower and reaper in that story? And I was challenged with this the other day. It was none of those individuals. It was the traveler. He was the one who had enough to give that he could give in the first place. So as they gained, he gained as well. And I just had this thought for this body about God wanting to use individuals to use what they've been given to prosper the body of Christ. That God has given you something that it's not about your age, old or young. It's amazing to me how people who get older say, well, I've, I've done my part. If you're still breathing, you still have a part. Yeah. And that it's not about being too young. I was in a huddle the other day, and the challenge was, who gave you your first opportunity to step outside of your box, to challenge you to do something that was beyond your, your ability in your mind? 
What amazed me about the testimonies back was how young people remembered. They weren't talking about what was given to them when they first came to Victory and were 20 or 30 or whatever. They continually talked about, when I was eight years old, this individual asked me to do this thing. When I was 10 years old, this individual asked me to help share in the children's church, and I was able to teach at 10 years old. I love... (laughs) Can I tell you there's no junior Holy Spirit? There's just the Holy Spirit. And what I love about children is they haven't been pounded religiously yet. They just hear God. They want to serve. They want to do. And they hear God many times clearer than you or I. Because they haven't been talked out of the goodness of God. And God wants to use every individual who is willing to be used. If you have a Bible, which I found many of us didn't. We have them on our phones now. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is called, we call it the grow up chapter because God continually encourages us to grow up. In Ephesians 4, about verse 11, he says, And God gave gifts unto men. He gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Can I stop right there and tell you your pastor is a gift to you? We need to treat him like a gift instead of just somebody to pound on. Can I ask you to think beyond the pastor and realize it is not the pastor's job to grow the church? I want to show that to you. It's not the pastor's job to grow the church. It's the pastor's job to equip you to help grow the church. Sheep begat sheep. So Ephesians 4.11, he says he gave some apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers evangelists for the work of the ministry. He's supposed to mature them, perfect them for the work of the ministry. Our job is to equip you to make a difference in your world. And can I tell you, almost every Christian I know wants to be used by God. They really do. Just like me, many of them spend 40, 50 years trying to figure out where they fit in the body of Christ. We want to be used, but we just don't know where we fit. And we need help. We need pastors, leaders to give us opportunity so that we can see what's on the inside of us. I don't know what your particular gift is, but I didn't know talking was a gift because I got spankings for that gift. (laughs) I didn't know that. I, I, I really didn't. It took me way too long for somebody to say to me, hey, you really like talking and you're pretty good at it. Let's give you an opportunity. So he says he gives these gifts to, to equip you and I. Now, let me ask you to write this down if you've got a notebook or at least write it down and put it down in, in, your, in your phone. Um, where are you needing equipping? If I say to you, what do you need to be used by God? Can you lead somebody to the Lord if somebody even came to you today and said, I really want to come to God. How do I do that? If you don't know, then you need to ask. Maybe you don't feel confident enough. But if you're saved, you're farther along than the person that isn't saved. You might not have all your ducks in a row, but you knew you were lost and now you're saved. When I got saved, the greatest thing they did for me is they took me witness in the following Saturday. 
They didn't say to me, you need to know Greek and Hebrew. They didn't say to me, you need to know the four Gospels. They didn't say to me, you need to memorize these scriptures. What they knew is, I was lost and now I'm found. I'm a part of God's family. Let's go share that. So I did. And I found that I overcame a lot of things that other people haven't yet overcome. And that's the ability that God doesn't need you to know Greek and Hebrew to make a difference. He needs you just to be willing to step into your world. He needs you to be willing to share what you know. That's what a witness is, beloved. An individual who shares what they've seen, what they've heard, what they know. That's all. And we're all witnesses. Now this is interesting. that uh, The analogies and the metaphors that God uses for you and I, they are all about things that have to be implemented to make a difference, to have an effect. He calls us light. Do you know the light has to be turned on, it has to be plugged in for it to be beneficial, for it to have an effect. Now, <laughs> it's crazy for you and I to complain and whine and moan about the darkness in our world. And I'll tell you why. Because all darkness is, is the absence of light. You know what happened in Hollywood? is Hollywood started making movies that Christians couldn't agree with, and so a bunch of people just bailed ship. What's left in the media if there's no Christians there? People who are non-Christians. And so it got worse and worse and worse. I am so grateful that even in our body, I'm seeing people who feel called to make movies, called to be actors, and they're sold out to Jesus, and they're looking to get involved. Did you know the chosen is blowing the world's mind? They cannot figure out how that thing has become popular. But it's like if you'll give God the opportunity, he can change Hollywood. Those people are having incredible impact with minimal amount of money. They don't have anywhere near the budget that Hollywood does. But they were willing to say, I think we can make a difference. I think we can share the gospel in a way that's unique. And so they did. They stepped into the darkness and they became light in the darkness. We are really benefit in Oklahoma that we have many politicians who are Christians and are wanting to make a difference in politics. And can I say to you, can, can we get a witness that our, our political world needs some Christians? Yeah. Amen. Because when we bailed out, all that was left was darkness. And so I'm so grateful. I'm literally connected to at least four people now who are involved in politics and they're making a difference. They're changing laws, making rules, changing things because they were willing to take the heat of being light in the darkness. And so the question for you and I is not what is God doing with Pastor Steve. The question is what is God doing with you? He says he, he gave these gifts to equip you and I for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints. He says, for how long? Until we all come into the unity of the faith. And then he says that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro. Can I say to you, beloved, God is okay with babies in Christ, in his church. But he's not okay with us staying babies. 
Okay. <laughs> um, if you were 15 years old and still sucking on a pacifier, can I tell you something is wrong? Yeah. Right? You haven't actually grown up. If you're 30 years old and you're still wearing diapers, something is wrong. Why? Because God intended for you and I to start out as babes in Christ, but He intended for us to grow up and not stay there. And the difference between being a baby and being a grown-up is realizing it's not all about you. Right? Babies, I always tell people when I... I did it again today. We were leaving the uh, motel and there was a, some family with their, with their kids and I said, I see you got the bosses with you. And they just laughed and said, yeah. Because children believe they're in charge. They just believe they run... When they cry, you should pay attention. When they want, you should give. And that's okay when you're a baby. But if you're that way when you're 15, when you're that way if you're 25, if you're that way when you're 40, you're 60, something is wrong. A part of growing up is realizing it is not all about you. It's, about, it's a big, big world, and you're a part of the whole. So he says that we no longer be children tossed to and fro, that you and I get some maturity about us. We don't just continue to stay babies. And then he says in verse 16, and this is where I really want to get to. He says in verse 16 that we're held together, compacted, fitly joined together by that which every joint supplieth. Say every joint. Every joint Supplieth. Did you know if he says every joint, he means every joint. Thank you. Your check's in the mail. It's a small one, but it's there. You don't get to say, I'm, I've done my part. I'm 60 years old. I've given mine. You don't get to say, I'm 10 years old. I, I haven't had my chance yet. Every joint supplies. We're held together, he says, compacted, fitly joined. Can I say to you, the body of Christ is like a Christmas gift that has this little tag on the side that says, some assembly required. You and I are commanded to gather together, but we're commanded more than that. We're commanded to be fitly joined and compacted together. Can I say to you, if you had a sack and you had a bunch of marbles in this sack, they are gathered together. But if you rip the sack, you, you, you lose your marbles. Right? Why? Why do you lose? Because they weren't connected. It's not enough for us to be gathered together. We're supposed to be assembled together, compactly, fitly joined together. It's a nice way of saying the body of Christ is to be bolted and nutted together. Sometimes you feel like a bolt, sometimes a nut. Somebody ought to write a song. You know what happens in the body of Christ if we live this life outright? Is we start getting closer together. We start realizing our need for one another. That's what he said. We're held together by what we have need of from the other. Every joint supplies. The kingdom of God, beloved, looks like this. You should be reaching up for somebody who's farther along than you are. 
And you should be reaching down for somebody who's wanting to be where you are. Every joint supplies. Now, I tell this story, and if you've heard it before, you hand it again, because that's God's way of saying you didn't get it the first time. This is my favorite finger. Because this is the finger I type with. And that is the truth. But this finger, disconnected from this hand, is no longer viable. It's no longer useful. It's an important finger as long as it's attached to this hand. But this hand is only usable if it's connected to the arm. And the arm is only usable if it's connected to the neck bone. You remember the song? There's this thing where we got to realize we are held together by our mutual need for one another and everyone is supposed to be being supplied and supplying. Can I say to the mature among us, I won't call you old, that might be an insult. To the mature among us, the Bible is very, very clear that until you close your eyes for the last time, you have People have need of you. You have something to offer. And the Bible says to the older, teach the younger how to do these things. The older women should teach the younger women how to love their husbands and love their children. The older men should teach the younger. You're never going to get to a place where you are not useful. But here's what I find is that there's two sides to a coin and I'm going to encourage both parties. If you are mature, you should be seeking people you can mentor. You should be seeking someone that you can take the wisdom you have that you can pour into them. Because I'm telling you, the generations coming up are in desperate need of fathers. Desperate need of mothers. Please don't take any insult by this. I I don't want to hurt anybody. But I prayed for three decades... For God to give me a people who wanted to change the world. And he gave them to me. They're just crazy. They're called Gen Z's and Millennials. And they want to make a difference. They want to have impact. They want to change their world. They just want to do it today. They have no understanding of stick to They have no understanding of, okay, you got a great idea, but we have to walk it out. It's not enough to have great ideas. Somebody's got to make that thing work every day. And what I'm finding is what these Gen Z's and Millennials are in need of are an older generation speaking into them. I go all over and I hear pastors moan and groan and complain about the Gen Z's and Millennials in their church. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing? God gave you people who want to make a difference. Go pour into them. Don't whine and complain. Find out what they need and fill the need. Okay. Maybe that's for those who are not here. God sent me here to talk to people who aren't here. That's, that's a new one. But Every joint supplies. And he says this, that for us to supply, it says it has an effectual work. Where are you having... An effect. That's the question. Or where should you be having an effect? What God has placed in you 
is for others. What God has placed in you is to build the body up. That's what he says. He says, we're held together, compacted by that which every joint supplies to the effectual working of every measure, that we would edify, it would edify itself, the body of Christ. The word edify is where we get the word edifice, which means to build up more and more. Your gift was meant to build up the body, to encourage one another. It's so interesting in Galatians when he says that we should um, do good to all men, but then he says, especially those of the household of faith. We need to build up the body of Christ. Why? Because outside of these four walls, you get beat up. Outside of these four walls, you fight a warfare, a battle. But it's a battle we can win. It's already been won. All we have to do is claim the victory. It's interesting to me. God didn't ask me to save anybody. He just asked me to share. It's his job to save. I just have to be willing to share. Now listen, do not believe the lie the world is trying to tell you. We don't want to hear what you have to say. You shut up. You tolerate. You endure. Do you know if they can brag about what they did on the weekend, we ought to be able to brag on what God did over the weekend. Did I tell the story here about the guy who, when I got saved, cussed every time he came by my, my little stall? I was welding. I got saved, and I really did love Jesus. So I brought the first thing I did was started bringing my Bible to work. And during the breaks, I would read my Bible. Well, he hated me. And every time he came by my little stall, he would make sure he was cussing, or he had one of them bad books, and he would be showing the pictures he went by, and he was just jacking with me. And so I'm talking to the Lord about it. So, Lord, this guy's making my life miserable. What do I do? He said, light is more powerful than darkness. You praise me every time he walks by. So he would come by cussing, and I would say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Took about two days. He stopped cussing. Light is more powerful than darkness. We just have to be willing to speak up, to share. So we build one another up. We encourage one another. Because we need it so that we can go out and make a difference in our world. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would that you wouldn't be ignorant. Ignorant is not the same as stupid. Ignorant means you just... (laughs) Is stupid a curse word in your house? Because that's the way that goes. Ignorance means you just don't know a thing yet. If I say to you, I was using some 6011 yesterday, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, you are ignorant. 6011 is a kind of welding rod. 7018, 6011, 6011 is a root pass, 7018 is a cover pass. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means because you're not a welder, those terms didn't mean anything to you. So he says, I I don't want you to be ignorant. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ who are not stupid. They are ignorant. They have yet to be taught that there are spiritual gifts. And so God wants us to mature, to understand that there are spiritual gifts. And he's the author of those spiritual gifts. So in chapter 12, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning Spiritual gifts. 
in verse 7, he says that the manifestation of these gifts is given to everyone to profit with all. Now, once again, he says these gifts are given to every man. It's not male, man, it's mankind. Gifts are given to everyone. Say this with me. I have spiritual gifts. Amen. That may be the first time some of you ever said that. But every person has been given gifts by God. The manifestation, the revealing of the Spirit is given to every person to profit with all. To profit others. Your gift was meant for others. What God has placed in you is actually not for you. Another way to understand that is the apple tree cannot eat its own fruit. The apple tree's fruit is for others to partake of. I I was teasing Juliet this morning that she must have stood in the talent line more than once. Her and Brett both. I didn't know you could get in the talent line more than once. About all I can do is talk, so I want to talk twice as much. Because I wouldn't... He says, the manifestation of the Spirit, the way God manifests in Brett and Juliet, one of the ways God manifests is through the gift of singing. Brett has a great way of encouraging, too. I love when he does transitions. Just his understanding of the Scriptures and sharing what God is saying to him and encouraging us. That's a gift. But that gift was given him. He didn't go pick it up at Walmart. The gift was given. It's interesting about the Apostle Paul. He found some disciples who were bragging about how God was using them. And Paul says to them, what are you doing? What what do you have that you weren't given? And the truth is, none of us have anything that we weren't given. If you can sing, you were given that ability. If you can talk, you were given that ability. If you can draw, you were given that ability. He says the manifestation is given to every man to profit with all. Can I encourage you? Whatever it is God has placed on the inside of you, we need it. We need you to be willing to give it. We need you to be willing to step up to the plate and find out what that is and offer it to others. I can't remember, I think his name is Jeff, the guy that was greeting at the door this morning. I just loved it. I actually came in and out of the door three times and was tapping him. I I just wanted to make sure he was doing it right every time. (laughs) Did you know, statistics say, Somewhere between 7 and 11 minutes of being on a property, an individual has decided whether they're going to stay at the church or not. The first 7 to 11 minutes, that's long before the preaching. Most of the time, that's long before the worship. So the parking lot attendants are important. They set the stage for people to be willing to stay to hear the music and the message. The greeters. Never underestimate a greeter. If you come to a place and you don't feel welcome, you're probably not going to stay. 
I mean, if you came to the door and somebody said, you're new, what are you doing here? Would you like feel welcome? Would you like be, man, I want to go to that place? No. Every part is important. Every part has a place. In verse 11 of Corinthians 12, he says again that these gifts were given severally as God wills. Severally. God gives several gifts as He wills. Now, I believe that anybody here can flow in any given gift at any given time. I do believe that. I do believe that God could use the Holy Spirit today and give you a prophetic word. I believe God could use you today to give a word of wisdom. I believe everybody here has the ability to pray in faith and see someone get healed. I believe that any one of us could be used in any gift at any time. But I also believe that you have a particular bent that you have a particular way that God has gifted you in particular that benefits others. And our desire is to help you, help you find that. And then he goes on to say that as the body has many members but one body, that's how the body of Christ is. The body of Christ has many members but one body and every part has its place. Now listen, here's what he says. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. We are in need of one another. Now, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this. I I need a volunteer, someone really, really brave. Rick, come on up. I was going to pick you anyway, so must be God. Okay, let's just say for sake of conversation, we're talking about the body of Christ. And so Rick is a part of the body of Christ. We're going to call him the mouth. Okay? Does that make you laugh? Okay. So Rick is the mouth. But if I ask Rick to get me that water... Rick can't do it as a mouth. Rick can't even see the water. Why? He's a mouth. He needs some eyes. So he has need of eyes. So we give him eyes. Now he can open his eyes. He can see the water. Now he can say, do you need the water? Yes, I need the water. Rick, would you give me the water? But Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got no feet? That's right. Just lips. What? Lips and eyes. He can't even go to the water. Why? He doesn't have any feet. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The ear cannot say to the nose, I have no need of you. So we give him some legs. Now Rick has legs. He has eyes. He has a mouth. Rick, could you give me the water? No, he can't give me the water. Why can't he give me the water? He has... Oh, we're getting sharp. You can sit down. Thank you. See, without hands... You might have legs, you might have a mouth, you might have eyes, you might have... Without hands and an arm, you can't even do what's being asked of you. That's the beauty of the body of Christ and us having need of one another. We need people who have 
futuristic, who can discern the future, who have the ability to look ahead, who have eyes to see what God is doing in the earth. But without a mouth, we're not going to hear what God is doing. So we need people who are willing to speak what God is showing them that they've seen. But without hands, without feet, we're never going to reach the world because we're going to stay within our four walls and we're going to do what most church has done, and that's pray for people to come. Can I? I don't know why I ask you if I can challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Do you know, nowhere in the scripture does it say pray them in? Pray for them to come in? You know what the Bible says? It says go out. You have to have permission to stay. You and I have been commanded to go out. And what God wants us to do is to be the body of Christ, not just in here, but out there. Can I tell you, the world desperately needs people who are encouragers. Have you noticed that 95 to 98% of what you hear on the radio or TV is all negative? It is no wonder we're depressed at an unprecedented rate, suicide at an unprecedented rate. You know, one of the worst things that happened at COVID was we told people, you are non-essential. Do you know what that does to the human heart to be told you don't matter? You have no value. Now, if you're in politics, you have value. But if you're this or that, you don't have any value. To be told that is to take away purpose. And it is no wonder we had people full of depression and suicidal Because they were told, you don't matter. You know what I love about Corinthians 12? Is he speaks to this idea of being and feeling insignificant. He says, to those parts of the body that seem to be less important, less valuable. He says, they're actually more valuable. And he gives them more honor so that there wouldn't be any division in the body. Now, you've probably heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. I doubt any of you have had anybody come to you and say, man, you've got a great set of intestines. <laughs> Has anybody ever told you that? Man, you've got some great intestines. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, man, you've got a great set of kidneys? No. But what happens if those two elements or either one of them quit working? Given enough time, you're going to go to meet your maker. They seem to be less valuable. We put rings on our fingers and bells on our nose and ho-ho. <laughs> we honor these parts that can be seen. We don't don't put anything on our kidneys or intestines. Why? They can't be seen. But God says, the less valuable they seem to be to you, the more valuable they actually are. So can I say to you today, as the Spirit of the Lord, if you feel I don't matter today, if you feel like you have no significance, if you feel like, well, if I don't show up, nobody's even going to miss me, the less Significant you feel, the more valuable you actually are. See, there's no such thing as insignificance in the body of Christ 
There are just been people who've been beat into believing they have no significance. So I love the fact that the body says there are many members, every joint supplies, we need one another, we're all held together by our mutual gifts, what we offer to one another. And we have one body, the body of Christ, but many members. So I want to ask you again, what are you doing? Where are you helping? Where are you having an effect? Okay. (laughs) This is not about what Steve can do. Steve's doing his part. We want to say, well, Steve needs to do this, or Steve needs to do that, or what about Brent, or what about... Write it down in your notes. John, chapter 21, verse 20. Peter has just been told by Jesus how he is going to die. And Peter sees John the Beloved, and he says to Jesus, what about him? It'd be like me saying... Okay, Jesus has told me how I'm going to die. And I see Brent and I go, what about Brent? Jesus says to Peter, what is that to you? Whether he stays or whether he goes, you come follow me. It's a nice way of saying, mind your own beeswax. You shouldn't be worrying about what God is doing with others. Well, he should be teaching this way. Well, he should be doing that. Well, she should be doing this. Jesus says to us, mind your own business. What I do with them is between me and them. What are you doing? Here's what I find in the body of Christ, and I'm just pushing back. I'm just challenging. Our church fed this many people. When does our church become my church? Our church has given this much money. When does it become I? My challenge to you today is to realize every one of you, every one of you is important, is valuable, and plays a part. You might not be able to give $100 today, but can you give five? One of the most beautiful miracles in the entire Bible is in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, how much time do I have, Brent? Two, no, that's not true. I promise you, you start shutting me off pretty quick. What, how, about 10 more minutes. Okay. Nehemiah, that's good. Nehemiah is a water tester for the king. Now, a water tester for the king is not a very high-ranking position. It's actually a disposable commodity. Because people were always trying to get to the king's food or water and poison it. And so he had a water tester, a wine tester, to test the water. If he drank it and he didn't die, the king knew he could drink it. That was Nehemiah's job. But Nehemiah has a people. And his people are downtrodden. His people are going through real troubles. And the walls have been broke down to a place where people said they will never be rebuilt, ever. It would take an eternity to rebuild these walls. Nehemiah is sad, and the king sees his sadness, and he has such a relationship with the king that the king is concerned about him. 
He says, Nehemiah, what's going on? And Nehemiah tells him, the walls are broke down, and I feel like I should go make a difference. The king has such a relationship with him because he's been living his love for God in front of him in such a way, the king sends him with supplies to go rebuild the city. Now, here's the cool thing. Not one angel lifted a rock in that wall. Samson was not around to show his strength and move the rocks. What Nehemiah did was absolutely incredible. Nehemiah had a gift to communicate and to pull out the best in people. And I think it's Nehemiah chapter 3. You need to read it in something other than the Elizabethan English King James Version. You need to read it in something like an Amplified or an English Bible or something that's more written in our language. Because what it says about rebuilding the wall, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Something that they said could never be done, he did it in 52 days. But you know how he did it? He talked every person into just doing their part. And it says in chapter 3, it starts out with the priests. I love that. The pastors led first. The leaders led first. And it says, and they built the wall from this gate to this gate. And then it says, and this person and their grandkids built the wall from this gate to this gate. And this guy who was a jeweler, he had lots of money. He built it from here to here. The interesting thing about it is there is not one complaint about what somebody else did. Nobody said, I, don't, I can't believe i got to build this much wall. Brent only had to build this much wall. Nobody complained. Nobody said, I have to do more. I don't like it. Every person understood, if we do our part, an incredible thing will happen. The wall will be rebuilt and we will feel the joy of the Lord again. That's what I'm asking today. I'm not asking you to preach unless you're called to preach. I'm not asking you to sing unless you're called to sing. All I'm asking is for you to do your part. And, there's a little caveat, not complain about that part. Just do your part. Be glad you could do that part. You might want to do more, but this is actually all you can do. So do your part. Build a wall from this gate to this gate. And be thankful the Lord used you to build that part of the wall. And be happy for the person who has a little more that God has blessed. And can do a little more of the wall from this gate to this gate. And cheer them on. You know, there's a lot of things I can't do. But you know what I can do? I can cheer everybody to do what they can do. Man, that's awesome. I could never do that. You did that awesome. You did that wonderful. And just encourage If we did nothing but encourage one another, the body of Christ would grow. I love the story of the building of the wall because the greatest miracle was there wasn't a miracle except that everybody did their part and didn't complain about what other people did. That's it. I'm a mouth. I need to learn how to shut up sometimes. So that the ears can hear. But the ears can't say to the mouth, I have no need of you. We need eyes. We need hands. We need kidneys.
We just need every person to do their part. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a challenge, and I get it. But what I want to know, I know everybody here today, so you've all been given opportunities to come to the Lord. If you're watching and you've never become a part of the family of God, I encourage you to give your heart to the Lord and follow Jesus. Let Him use you to make a difference in your world. But for those that are here, for those that are watching and have already made the decision to follow Jesus, how many would say, I'm willing to do my part? I'm willing to be made willing to do my part. I'm willing for someone to help me see what my part is. And I'm willing to offer it to the body of Christ. I'm willing to offer it to the world in need. I'm willing to build my part of the wall. If you're willing to step up, to take another step, to take another level, to not worry about what others are doing, but to truly say, I'm willing to continue on. I'm willing to offer to someone else what I know, what I can do, what I can offer. If that's you, I just want to see your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Father, I thank you for the honest hands. Thank you, Lord God. I raise my hand with those who raised their hand, Father God. I want to be used to a greater degree. I've been able to build a wall from here to here, but I want to do a little more. So I'm asking you to show me. I'm asking you to reveal to me areas where I can have greater impact, where I can offer myself to a world in need. And I pray for everyone who raised their hand and said, that's me. I'm not going to let my age, I'm not going to let what I've done in the past, I'm not going to let what I'm doing right now hold me back. I'm going to step forward. I want to be the traveling man who gains the most because he can give to others. He can supply others. And they can use the gifts that God gave them. Father, I thank you that there's no one here insignificant. No one here that doesn't have a line in the play, a note in the song. Everyone here has a part to play. And Lord, I thank you until we close our eyes for the very last time, we have a purpose to make a difference in our world. Help us to have a positive effect in our world. As we leave this place, Father, we're going to go to restaurants, we're going to go to work, we're going to go to other places. Help us to be a light in the darkness. Help us to be even understanding that a smile and a kind word can change a life. Help us to be positive impact wherever we go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. I uh, thank you for that, Pastor Lee. Um, James uh, 1.22 says, do what God's teaching says. Do not just listen and do nothing. And uh, it says, when you only sit and listen, you're fooling yourselves. So my daughter got on to me the other day for saying something was foolish. She didn't like that. But there are things that are foolish. And us sitting in this room and amending a whole lot of things, if God has convicted our hearts to do something, is foolish. 
And, uh, you know, if you thought this was kind of a academic teaching, I just wanted to share for you um, that in our body today, it's really not an academic teaching. It has a lot of practicality. Um, and I, and I've said this to you before, if you've heard me talk much, but it's interesting what the difference between encouragement and manipulation is. So the difference between encouragement and manipulation is intent. So if you feel that I want to manipulate you today, then you misunderstand my intent because my intent isn't to gain something for myself. If I want you to do something that results in improvement of my family's well-being, then that and mine alone, that would be manipulation. But if I want you to do something that would be good for you and for all of us together as a family, that is not manipulation. That is encouragement and exhortation. So without any like feelings of guilt or manipulation, the reason why my son is in here today is because we don't have enough littles teachers. And that doesn't mean that I want you to feel guilty about that. It just means that is the honest truth. We don't have enough littles teachers today. So the littles are in here today. The littles probably didn't benefit from being in here today because as awesome as Pastor Lee is, they, they can't get a lot at their level from him. And that's why we have littles class. Um, now you may be like, but he said I don't have to teach littles if I'm not called to teach littles. 100%, I agree with that. If you are not called to teach littles, you don't need to teach littles. I would, I would wonder, though, if there are those of us who would be able to do that. And am I asking for that once a month or, you know, every Sunday? No. I think once a month would be a great start. And if you're new-ish around here and you haven't been around a long time, we, we don't pitch a lot of things to you. We would just ask for you to continue to come and see if this is your family. And once it's your family, then to be really transparent, what we expect of family members is this is the bare minimum. Like showing up here today, worshiping as a community, this is, this is a bare minimum. It's ground level, right? Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. But in a one-minute overview of the ecosystem of maturity, if you've been around here very long, there's, right, there's the worship, and there's the serving, and there's the community. So we have to have all three of those, and this is kind of the worship piece. The community piece, Julia announced earlier, we need Tuesdays. Thank you for, you know, volunteers that already said that. And then you've got the service component, which is what we here call our grow teams, in case you didn't know that language. And if you're like, gosh, thank God he didn't call me to Littles, because I almost had to volunteer for Littles. Well, actually, we don't have any grow teams that are full, in case you... We're wondering about that. There are no grow teams that are full up. Uh, our hospitality team used to be like our fullest. And, you know, Pastor Lee mentioned that this morning with Jeff and with Greg. And I think Jimmy maybe, or he was just being kind. I'm not sure. I saw, I saw all three of those guys being hospitable this morning. And sometimes they're just hospitable. And sometimes they're serving. Thank God that they're hospitable. But the hospitality team is in need of people who will serve. And the kids' grow team is in need of people who will serve. And Juliet, really, she plays the djembe pretty well. This is not her preferred instrument, FYI. I don't think she necessarily loves this thing. Um, 
Now that that's her sweet spot over here. So like we do have some people in our sweet spots, but uh, when I get on those drums, just so y'all know, that's not because like I think I should be on those drums. It's because we don't really have anyone else to be on the drums. So the worship team needs people. The grow team, all the grow teams need people. And so doing what the word says versus hearing what the word says today, the beauty is that you don't have to wonder what those opportunities are. I just didn't want you to leave here wondering what you should do. It would be, I would love it if we could all agree that serving on a grow team once a month, being regularly involved in a life group and showing up to attend Sunday morning, that that's what we consider to be the recipe to bake a spiritual cake. Now, you don't have to agree with that recipe, but that's what the leaders in this house think. And I don't mean just me. I'm talking Brother Dwayne. I'm talking Pastor Jacob. I'm talking Pastor Lee. I'm talking about the big wigs. The, the big wigs have directed us that direction. The little guys here locally agree with that. If you don't, you are still welcome to come and you're still welcome to disagree because there's a lot of grace in this house. But we don't really think that we will become who God wants us to become without those elements. So I, I just wanted us to be clear today locally that this message has a lot of room for doing. And I'm not speaking to all of y'all because some of y'all are doing. And some of y'all might say, I'm in a season of pain. I'm in a season of this, that. And so I actually can't serve. And we would respect that. I would encourage you to say you still probably should be in a life group so that your pain can be borne by those around you, that we weep with those who weep, that we rejoice with those who rejoice, and that we encourage one another. So that's baseline. That's how we think we grow. And unfortunately, I have recognized in my life it doesn't happen very fast. So it actually won't work by doing it a month out of the year. It happens over decades. Um, I don't think Pastor Lee got as wise as he did yesterday. Um, So... That is meant to be an encouragement, not a manipulation. Sorry if that makes you feel weird or squirmish inside. That may not be me. That may be somebody else speaking to you. Um, if you need a way to do that as you pass through out of here, did we say the life group signups are still, where are they? By the door. The life group signups are by the door. So if you thought that we were done talking about life groups because the sign-up thingy was last week and you're like, whew, we can move on. No, actually, we probably won't stop, or I won't until someone makes me. But um, the life group sign-ups on the way out the door, you can do that. If you're like, I don't know how to sign up for a grow team, I will volunteer for you to contact me. And I'm an introvert, in case y'all don't know that. So I will volunteer. You can come talk to me since Pam, the extrovert, is not here today. You can come talk to me. Um, And I don't know all the grow teams, but I guarantee I can get you connected to one. So... Um, that means we really don't have a way to, to not get connected, except we don't, we don't, we can't, or we don't, or we won't, or whatever. And it's not my place to judge that in you, because I don't know your heart. Jesus said sin kind of seems to reside inside of our heart. So adultery is not just two actions with people that aren't supposed to be doing things. It's, it's, it's a looking, it's a longing, which means that I don't know what's going on in all of our hearts. And so not my place to judge but that's how we grow that's how we how we do life so i want you guys to know i love you and um thank you for coming where if you need prayer um you're welcome to come up here today 
um, and we will absolutely pray. So have a blessed week and enjoy your day.